It's 6.30. Oh, and I guess I'm on. Thank you. He turns me on right on the dot at 6.30. So thank y'all for being here. I know for many of y'all it's been a long day, and thank you, Pastor, for coming and hanging out with us, really. Thank you. So glad you're here. Tonight we're going to do the third part of our Matthew series, and we'll be in Matthew chapter 8. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. I did look, and that is what we're doing tonight, for those of you that were here last week. I still owe you an apology. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. So I'll give you a second to turn there, and then we'll pray and get started. Okay, let's pray together. Thank you, God, for your presence here tonight. Thank you for what you have already taught me, and I pray that you would teach us more about you tonight as we study your word. Thank you again. Guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to start with the test. Here's your test. What did the pastor teach about last week? Yeah. <laughs> Righteousness. Okay, tell me about that. What did he teach about righteousness? <laughs> You're doing great, Jennifer. I'm sorry. You stuck yourself out there. I did stick myself out there. Tell me, um, tell me what the story was about. Okay. Maybe that's a better question. Oh, it was about leprosy. It was about leprosy. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes, it was about leprosy. It was about um, how God, Jesus touched, reached out and touched and healed the man. And why was that touch so unusual? What was so strange about him touching the leprous man? Yeah, he was leprous. People don't touch that. In fact, I loved what Don said last week when he said that lepers were a class of, do you remember, a class of what kind of people? Hopeless people. People without hope. Yes, yes. Oh, that was really good. So thank you for starting us and teaching us about that. Tonight we're going to look at two more stories that talk about how Jesus crossed barriers, just like he did when he crossed the barrier of religious purity. There were laws that talked about how the, the lepers could not be touched, and Jesus crossed that boundary when he touched him. And so that's our first thing we're going to look at, how King Jesus breaks boundaries. And first, in verses 1 through 4, that Don shared with us last week, he crossed the boundary of religious purity. So if you like to take notes, that's your first blank. So the first story we're going to look at tonight is another example of Jesus crossing barriers. I'm going to go ahead and give you the blank. So this, in this story, in verses 5 through 13, we're going to hear about how Jesus breaks the boundaries of ethnicity. Okay? Yeah. Miss Carolyn, I think there are, I think there's some on the table. Yes, I hope so. Maybe. Is that the prayer one? Okay. I lied. You've got extras? Okay. Okay. Good. All right. Let's read together and listen for that. Verses 5. Oh, I guess I should read it from the screen because it's the right version. Okay. 
When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. So let's talk about Capernaum. Capernaum was, um, it was a garrison town. I think your sheet says that. Uh, both of the stories we're looking at tonight happened in Capernaum. It was a town that had homes and offices for the military. In today's terms, a garrison town might be have a military base, military quarters, headquarters under the responsibility of maybe a major general or a colonel or a brigadier. In Roman times, the military rule of Herod was carried out in Capernaum through non-Jews that were called centurions. Centurion is named for their supervision of a century of troops. So in the military order, the soldiers reported to the centurion and the centurion reported to the emperor. So the centurion was kind of like the middleman. So keep that in mind that, that he was under the authority of the em em emperor, but he also had authority over people. Keep that in mind as we continue to think about this story. So Jesus said, I will come and heal him. In this version, it says, I will come and heal him. In another one, it says, shall I come and hear him? Basically, Jesus was ready. He was ready to bring healing to this man's servant. He was ready to heal the servant of a non-Jewish Gentile's servant. That's the first evidence we see in this chapter of Jesus crossing ethnic boundaries. So we're going to see it again in a few minutes, but that was the first one. It was the first time that we see that his message of reconciliation with the Father wasn't just for the Jews. His message of restoration, reconciliation, healing was not just for the Jews, but for the whole world. Okay, let's keep reading. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Centurion saying, I know how this works. I know the emperor rules, the centurion commands, the soldiers make it happen. So he was saying, I recognize the order. I've always heard it, and again, most of you know that I was the children's minister for years and years, and always thought about it as, yeah, the centurion was a man with authority, and, and so he knew Jesus had authority, and that is absolutely true. But that's not the whole story. One commentator I read this week said that the centurion understood Jesus not only had authority, but that he had placed himself under God's authority. Think about that. How wise this centurion was to see that. He had a grasp of what Jesus had done, how he was under the authority of God the Father. If you're questioning me, well, let me show you a couple of verses. John's Gospel tells several times about how Jesus was under God's authority. Here, John 12, 49 Jesus is talking, and he says, For I've not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Jesus didn't say a thing or do a thing 
that God didn't tell him to say and do. He had placed himself under God's authority. Or consider the beautiful, eloquent passage that Paul gives us in Philippians 2, 6 to 11. And I will say before I read it, the emphasis are mine. (laughs) Talking about Jesus, he said, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, put himself under the authority by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Doesn't that verse just make you want to shout? I just love that. Yes. That's our King Jesus. He's the one to whom everyone one day will bow before. And yet, while here on earth, he put himself under the authority of God. Somehow, this Gentile military man understood So let's see how Jesus responded when the centurion said that he was a man under authority. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. We got to just stop right there. (laughs) Think about that. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. I mean, think about it. King Jesus marveled. He was amazed by the faith of this military man. Oh, to be that kind of person with so much faith that the Lord would marvel at us. Okay, I'll keep going. By the way, I didn't tell y'all, this wasn't in the curriculum for tonight, the, this story, but I couldn't skip it. <laughs> the story actually, what I was supposed to be talking about <laughs> is the last half of the night, But I just couldn't skip this story. It's just too good and too rich. So we're doing two stories tonight. Okay. Jesus marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, not only did Jesus marvel, but he marveled at a non-Jew, at someone who was not in that inner circle, part of God's chosen people. Again, yes, sir, what, Dave? Makes you wonder what uh, relationship the centurion had, what knowledge he had, or interaction with Jesus. Yes. Yes, it did make it. Yes, it had to have come from some knowledge. Where did he hear about Jesus? We know that Jesus had been um, healing and teaching, so maybe he'd heard him before. All we know is he knew that Jesus had authority over illness. He knew he could come to him for help, and he knew that he was from God. But the other part that he says in this. I tell you, 
Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table. What is he talking about there? Recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? What's he talking about? You're right. They'll, I'm repeating you because they're recording it, so I have oh. to repeat it. So sorry if it's annoying. Yes, yes, that they'll non-Jews will be right there at the table. But what table? Yes. Yes. Right. So it's the table in the kingdom of heaven. It's the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's when Christ's church will be reunited with him and will be feasting. It may sound surprising to you, but it would not have been surprising to the Jewish people who were following him. They knew what we were talking about. They knew what Jesus was talking about. Isaiah tells us in multiple places, but this is just one part. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. That was the feast foretold in Isaiah, retold here when Jesus mentioned it again. And think of who he was saying it to, the Jews, not just the centurion, but he said, I tell you, and he looks around at all those, they knew what he was talking about. This is another time where he said, all people, I'm crossing that barrier of ethnicity, people from east and west. Here it says, all peoples, all the earth, all, all, all. Um, from the Old Testament prophets to Jesus' own words and actions to the book of Revelation, we see that God has a place for all who come to him in faith. And it's through Jesus' perfect life and death that this was accomplished. One more verse in this first story. And to the centurion, so he turned from the Jews, he looked to the centurion and he said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment, right then, immediately. The first story that Pastor Don told us last week, or maybe it wasn't the first story, but in the one last week, Jesus touched the leper and spoke healing. This time he didn't touch the servant. He didn't examine his paralysis. He didn't even see the servant. He just spoke the healing into existence. He spoke and it happened. Does that sound familiar? Centurion's faith grew. The centurion's faith definitely grew. Creation. Creation. Yes. Genesis 1, God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was. Let the waters be gathered, and there was. Let the earth sprout vegetation, and there was. In the beginning, the divine spoke, and creation happened. 
And here, the divine spoke, and a servant was healed. Power in the word of King Jesus. And even to bring healing from such a great distance. I think I put on your listening sheet um, a quote from William Barclay. He described the working of this miracle as the power which annihilates distance. Just love that word, annihilates. He wipes it out. We've read the Gospels and we've become accustomed to Jesus' healing touch. But to heal a person from a distance, especially someone he's never seen, just staggers the imagination. Barclay adds, again and again, men have been confronted by a power which does not travel by the ordinary contacts and the ordinary routes and the ordinary channels. Do you see why I couldn't skip this story? (laughs) It's just such a great one. of King Jesus, who demonstrated his submission to the Father, his authority over illness, and that he reaches out to all people. King Jesus knows no barrier except his willing submission to the Father. Yes, Michael. I just make this observation. Yes. Nobody that was there saw that miracle happen. No. It was long distance, so the crowd had no idea whether that was reality or not. You're right. They, but they must have heard at some point, yes, yes because... We have it recorded in scripture, but at that moment, they didn't know. Yeah, you're right. Good insight. Don. So in John, he says to Nathaniel, when you were under the olive tree, I saw you. Mm-hmm. And so what this is teaching is what the church believed that Jesus is and was everywhere. He's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he's equally aware of all situations at all times. Kind of the psalmist, where could I go? that you're not already. Mm, so, that is great. Yeah. Great. Yes. Because as you just fall down and worship. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Talk about marveling. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Marveling you work. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Uh, that's number story number two for tonight. This one's really short. Really only a few verses. See if you can see another boundary that Jesus crossed. Here we go. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw the mother-in-law lying. Did I skip part? No? Okay. Okay. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. So he went there to rest, to teach some more. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. So what boundary did he cross there? Women, yes. Gender, yeah. That's the word I was looking for. First religious purity, then ethnicity, and now gender. Jesus didn't only pay attention and met the needs of men, even though in this culture men were the primary influencers. In fact, women in many ways were considered second-class citizens. Maybe not a hopeless class, but perhaps a forgotten or a marginalized class of people. And yet here, early in Jesus' ministry, he touched the hand of Peter's mother-in-law and healed her. He didn't ignore her, go on about his business. He didn't marginalize her. He touched her. He healed her. 
And this wasn't the only time that Jesus reached out to a woman. Think about it. He brought healing to the woman with the issue of blood. Restoration to the woman caught in adultery. He revealed that he was the Messiah for the first time to an outcast woman at the well. He affirmed a woman who wept and worshipped at his feet. And he even told parables where the woman was the main character. Think about the persistent widow taught us about prayer and the lost coin. Jesus valued women. He had compassion on them. He didn't allow a cultural boundary regarding women to stop him from bringing about healing when it needed to happen. So, what was up with Peter's mother-in-law? Well, the Greek word Matthew uses here to say she was lying in bed with fever, it actually means thrown down with fever. Or, um, so she was in the throes of a severe fever illness of some sort. We don't know because scripture doesn't tell us exactly what it was. But there were three types of fever illnesses that were common in first century Israel. Malta fever, which was marked by weakness and anemia. It could linger for months, often ended in death. Or there was intermittent fever, similar to typhoid fever. And then malaria. In the places where the Jordan River flowed into and out of the Sea of Galilee, it created some marshy areas. And they were breeding grounds for mosquitoes. So as a result, malaria was prevalent in this region, in Capernaum and the surrounding area. So perhaps it was malaria. We don't know. We just know it was a fever. But it sounds like if it was one of these, any one of these, it could have been not just like, oh, I'm not feeling very good, a little bit of a fever, go away the next day. It sounds like it was a true illness that required the touch of the Savior. Whatever it was, it was no match for King Jesus. He touched her, and she was well. Well enough to immediately begin serving him. Bible doesn't say much else, just that she was made well, and then she got up and served. <laughs> Barclay said she regarded herself as saved to serve. I love that. She used the gift of her restored health to serve Jesus and to serve others. Isn't that the way we should use every gift of God? Yeah. Shouldn't we all be saved to serve? No. Yeah. Two more verses for tonight. Let's finish. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So in the first 15 verses of Matthew, we read how Jesus touched and healed a leper, brought religious purity across the boundary of religious purity, crossed the boundary of ethnicity when he healed the servant of a Gentile centurion, and physical distance as well, and then gender boundaries when he healed the woman. But now we see that he is able and willing to break the boundaries in the spirit realm. In the spirit realm. He had authority, see that concept again, authority over the demonic world. And he brought freedom to those brought to him. And did you catch how he did it? 
with a word. Yes, with a word. He spoke it again. Jesus spoke, and the demons fled. Mark's and Luke's gospel add another few details. Here's Mark's. Same thing, but just said a little bit differently. Notice a few things. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So not only could he cast them out, he could render them mute. You know? He had the authority to do that. But as an aside, considering these two stories, the Gentile centurion knew, who, knew more about Jesus, and the demons knew more about Jesus than his own people did. Ugh, convicting, isn't it? Yes. Hmm, sorry, that was just an aside. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Carrie, I think it's amazing. Jesus did what he did and not more than he did. Mm. That's incredible. That yes. That he's left us to have to have. Yes. No Billy Jam, Billy Graham crusades for Jesus. No. <laughs> on a smaller scale. Person to person, so one at a time. Yeah. Relationships, yes. Set that example for us, didn't he? you see a person really saved out of utter darkness, she will see better what we're seeing than we see. She'll, she will appreciate what, I mean, we've kind of gone to sleep on it, but she, she gets it, what it was to be lost and what it is to be saved. So she'll, in some ways, know better who we're dealing with than we do. Hmm. Good point. Okay, another thing that's mentioned in this verse is the description of the people. Remember, Matthew said um, that many who were oppressed by demons came. They brought to him many. This, in Mark, it says, and the whole city was gathered at the door. The whole thing. It was a scene. I mean, the, whether it was the healing of the leper or the, um, the spoken word to the centurion, for, or maybe it was the Peter's mother-in-law, but the whole city came because they wanted to see what was going on with this Jesus. And they asked him to cross whatever boundary that they faced and bring restoration. Okay, I'm going to go back to the Matthew one because I want you to see here in this verse 17, it tells us why Jesus performed these miracles. Dave, you were saying he could have done even more. He could have healed every illness. He didn't, but why did he even do the ones he did? Well, it says in verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He did it to fulfill what was written in the past. Fulfill is a huge word in the book of Matthew. In fact, in ESV, it's used 15 times, more than in any other book of Scripture. One of Matthew's key purposes was to tell us that Jesus fulfilled the role of Messiah. He satisfied the prophet's teaching. And here in this passage, it was no exception. Jesus fulfilled Isaiah's description of the suffering servant. He took our illnesses. He bore our diseases. It was part of his mission on earth. 
And Christ Jesus, King Jesus, fulfilled it. So we've finished our assigned reading for the night. We've taken apart a lot of the aspects of these verses. We've talked about what the scripture said. We've talked about what it means. But the third part of good Bible study practices is to see what does it mean to me? Or now that I know what it says and what it means, how can I apply it to my own life? What can we take from it to further our walk with the Lord? So we're going to talk about some of that, but I want to point out a couple of things before we move into discussion. First, we can learn from the people in the stories. We can learn from the centurion to have bold, strong faith that the Lord will work in our lives. We can learn from Peter's mom that we're saved to serve him, that our healing, our freedom, our forgiveness should lead to service. And I think we can even learn from the example of the crowd the crowd that came to Jesus, that gathered at the door, we can learn to bring people to Jesus. These, the ill, the sick, they were brought to Jesus, and we can learn to do that too. Bring those people that need a touch or a word from King Jesus. All of those are pretty easy, though. I'm going to give you hard ones to talk about at your table, okay? Uh, I want to, you to think through this. First, I want you to discuss which story spoke to you the most of these two that we mentioned, or I guess kind of three, and why. And then, because the point of Scripture is to reveal God to us, I want you to, tell, to discuss what did you learn about Jesus in these stories? What did you learn new or what spoke to you clearly about Jesus from these? And then based on that, how should you respond? Okay? All right. So that's your assignment. Gather around your tables and do that. And then I'll bring us back together in a minute.